Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here along with Robert Glasscock. If you listen to Robert talk about charts or read charts, it won't be too long before he mentions rectification techniques. We've talked about those several times in past episodes. And also, we did an episode a while back on how you can determine if you are uh, going to conceive at a given time during the month. That is available. But I thought it also would be interesting to talk about barren versus fertile signs, something that Robert is very familiar with. Robert? Fertile and infertile signs. These things go way back, Thomas, to the most ancient days of astrology. There are certain signs that astrology traditionally holds as being fertile. All of the water signs, for example, are by nature fertile. Now, this can operate on two levels. It operates both on the physiological level of biological fertility and likelihood of having children and so on, but it also operates on a figurative level of creative children or figurative children, things like works of arts, uh, or a, if you're an architect, giving birth to a major architectural project in a city, for example. So it can be figurative fertility as well. But if you take the water signs, they're, they're all fertile. Scorpio among the water signs is the one that can be um, a little bit problematic sometimes in reproductive health. So there may be difficulties in conceiving or difficulties in giving birth with uh, with an emphasis on the Scorpio or sign of Scorpio. So, for example, in a woman's chart, if her moon is in Scorpio, depending on the aspects to the moon, just taken alone, the moon in Scorpio is fertile. It's also Scorpio, which is the sign of death and rebirth and so on. So sometimes, again, depending on aspects to that moon, the conception or the delivery or the pregnancy or delivery of a child may be problematic. It depends, again, on hard aspects of that moon. Uh, the moon in uh, the earth signs is secondarily fertile as a rule. Capricorn, semi-barren or semi-fertile, either way you want to put it, only because it's ruled by Saturn. So that Venus in Capricorn, the sign of Saturn, usually will have some experience with quote-unquote fertility. This can be in the nature of a beloved art project, let's say, that you come up with a book or a painting or a movie that you make that never sells, that never gets out there. For so, so disappointment on one level, but that doesn't mean you're not fertile in that you won't ever create something again you have to almost with that so the earth signs second to the water signs are are fertile capricorn is a little problematic then you get into the fire signs leo is no, you can take your pick semi-barren semi-fertile it tends to be a sign that that does want to have children unless it's uh, afflicted or wants to be creative and some hard aspects in a chart are preferable to none because hard aspects give you ambition because hard aspects create conflicts, areas of life that are frustrating. They're meant to be because you're meant to pay attention to the frustration and figure out a solution to it. So hard aspects can actually be very motivating. So even people with hard aspects to, say, having children, if they're motivated, then they can still go on to have them. They, it may take them several tries. They may have to go through IVF and so on, but nonetheless. So in order of fertility, the water signs first, 
then the earth signs, then the fire signs, and finally the air signs. So you get into signs like Gemini, for example, another one, semi-barren. Doesn't mean you can't have children. It's just the predisposition to it is lessened somewhat, depending on these signs. I don't know if this is making any sense, but it helps you maybe, Thomas, or, or the listeners to figure out on their own, you're looking at Venus in a woman's chart and the moon in a woman's chart for fertility. Primarily, you're looking at the fifth house to see what sign of, is on that fifth house of children in general. And whether it's barren or semi-barren or fruitful or what, you're looking at the ruler of the fifth house. Is it in a sign that's barren or semi-barren? What are the aspects made to all these things? So it's not simplistic. There's several factors you have to look at and just weigh each one for fertility versus barrenness, if you will, the old term, and uh, come to your own conclusion. So you want to you want to look at the sun sign, for example, just by nature. Is the sun sign in a water sign, for example, more predisposed the sun rule? Leo in the natural wheel, the natural fifth house of children, and so on. So that's really the method. And you can look these fertility signs up on Google. You can see what signs are fertile and non-fertile or barren or semi-barren or semi-fruitful. They're very old categories. But the, the trick is to be able to weigh the pros and cons, put the fertility or fertile signs in one column, the barren signs in another one, see which see how they add up. But that's that's the basic technique. Okay, so let's. I just want to go back over that. That was quite a bit right there that you just gave us. So the fifth house, the fifth house ruler, Venus, the moon, and then the sun. Is that? I want to get my head around this really well. So would if you were looking at a chart, if somebody came up and said, put put a chart in front of you and said, "Am I fertile? Am I going to?" Would you look at the fifth first? Is that where your eyes would go first? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think of the house cusps as being external. They are conditioning. Each of these house matters has a different sign on the cusp. So in relationship to the whole idea, the whole archetype of children, quote unquote, children can be either biological or creative and figurative, one of two kinds. So yeah, I'm going to look to the fifth house right off the bat. And see what sign is on that house and what planets are in that house. And then right, right away, I'm already unconsciously assessing fertility or barrenness. And that applies both ways to creativity as well as biological children. So that's where I would start. I'd look to see what planets are in that house and what, what their aspects are. Because if you have difficult planets, let's say, for example, you see Saturn conjunct Uranus in the fifth, you know you don't have to know anything else. You know that person is going to have issues, problems connected with pregnancies, children, and childbirth. They may be barren. And by barren, I mean they may choose not to have them as well as be biological, physiological barren. Uh, but with Saturn-Uranus there, it's, the predisposition is difficulties in pregnancies, difficulties in delivery, possibly the uh, possibly abortion or miscarriage, also the possibility of uh, artificial means to get pregnant, such as IVF for example. So just taken alone, already the fifth house has given you. Now, creatively, as opposed to having children, Saturn and Uranus can mean if this person is con conscious of some talent or avocation or calling, 
that they feel strongly about they should pursue it they are and they will probably be different from everybody else in terms of their attitudes about love and romance with saturn and uranus there so they're going to have challenges in that area challenges in love and marriage and pregnancy they're meant to understand what those challenges mean do they really want children or are they just having children because everybody else does which is never a good idea, by the way, especially in a chart like that, because if they do, if they have children simply out of peer pressure, and then after a few years realize, my gosh, these children are going to be my responsibility until they're 20. I, they feel like a burden. Suddenly, they, after the fact, it's a little late. Then they begin to realize, hmm, they may not really want children, and yet they've got them. So that's the kind of thing to be aware of. You can go to the fifth house first, then you can look at the ruler of the fifth, look at its aspects. In a woman's chart particularly, you want to look at the moon and Venus and her sun sign to see how fertile or infertile those things appear and what their aspects are. So you really are taking into a lot into account a lot of the horoscope when you're looking at just this one factor. But again, the signs on the cusps, to me, are like stories that we have been told and conditioned to believe about that area of life. So you have Pisces on the fifth cusp, let's say. Your conditioning, your family background, there may be codependency in your family background, even among your, not just your parents and your brothers and sisters, but also relatives. Codependency, you may be ambivalent about having children to begin with. Pisces is there. That doubt, that double sign, two fish swimming in different directions. You may be ambivalent about having children. Pisces on the fifth can predispose towards secret love affairs, hidden love affairs, even infidelity. And Saturn and Uranus there might, depending on aspects, suddenly find itself either getting pregnant or impregnating somebody out of wedlock, for example. And then what do we do? Do we get married? Do we have the baby? Do we go for an abortion? What do we do? Those kinds of challenges connected with children. But the scripting on the cusp predisposes toward this kind of ambivalence. There may be step brothers or stepsisters in your family and then you have to account for their backgrounds and their conditioning about these things uh so you're looking at the house house cusp as sort of a script for you to follow in life and if it's unconscious then you're going to be a pretty much a fatalistic kind of person you'll live out your chart pretty fatalistically if you wake up and you become a little metaphysical and experienced with this stuff a little knowledgeable about it then you can begin to delve into these scripts for each house matter a little more deeply and a little more informed and say, aha now i see what i need to do in this area so that's in one way i look at it it's what's the old Shakespeare phrase? Uh, we are all uh, players strutting our hour upon the stage. Actors, in other words, we're here acting out these archetypes that we've chosen to be born under, starting with our ascendant. Uh, so it's the scripts. For example, I have Capricorn rising. My scripting is all about succeed, find, be ambitious, find a professional niche that you love to do and succeed at it. Above everything, Capricorn rising. I may say I want love and romance and marriage and children. Not true. More than that, I want to find a career that I love, that I can devote my life to. Guess what? I did. And very lucky. You know, I, I was, found actually I found more than one. 
I was going that's to, what my life has been. So that's my scripting. So that's a, a suggestion of how this works. Yeah, I was going to ask that. So when you start to say, well, let's talk about the fertility as reflected in the chart, that's more of a question that women would obviously be interested in. But how would men approach this same topic? And I'm also thinking this, not only the men, but how would women with a potential suitor want to look at his chart and see how he relates to children? Well, not only the children, but basically compatibility, period, if you're doing synastry between two charts. It'd be all areas. Uh, but in men, it's interesting because in a woman's chart, I'm pretty comfortable with asking about things like, hey, did you have a miscarriage? Did you have an abortion? Yada, yada, yada. With men, sometimes even the man doesn't know. I, in fact, one, <laughs> I'm not going to name this guy, but uh, gosh, I'm 15 years ago, Thomas, an astrologer I had known, he and his wife studied with me, and uh, I was the best man in their wedding, in fact, and um, we were on the phone one night, and I was looking at his chart, which I had looked at before, but for some reason that night, I said to him, what is this child that you have that I didn't know about? That kind of astrology. Yeah, Neptune. I forget where. I think it was in his fourth. But uh, he said, oh, my God, you are the only astrologer who's ever asked me that. And he said, I, I got pregnant when I was just out of uh, high school, and I, I would have done anything she wanted. And she didn't want to get married, but she wanted to keep the baby. baby so that's what she did. So you can do, I mean, it, it sounds like fortune-telling astrology, and to an extent it is, but what you're really doing is seeing how much this chart is fine-tuned to that person's life, because this indication indicates he should have had a secret child. He might not have, but in fact he did. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'll tell you another anecdote that I learned a great deal from. It was It's not a good story about me, but boy, was it a major lesson. I was reading for a man um, at his house. His wife was in the hospital getting ready to have their baby and looking at his horoscope. I was around 25, I guess, 24. When I did this, I said to him, are you aware that this is possibly not your child? And the second I said it, I thought, oh, my God. And he looked at me and said, yeah, we know, but we've decided to have it anyway. Well, Thomas, I sat there. I was okay, but when I left there, I thought, Bob, don't you ever, ever do anything like that again. If you had been wrong, that could have planted a seed of doubt in that man's mind that would have transmitted to her, his wife, and to their baby totally unconscious, but you could have undermined this whole relationship by asking that one question the way you did. So boy, did I learn. So that's another anecdote maybe of the dangers of uh, knowing too much about astrology, and especially the dangers of failing to think about how you want to phrase and present what you see. Because there is a way to talk about virtually anything compassionately and from the other person's perspective if you just take the time to think about how this is going to make them feel yeah we're talking about our most intimate area probably of life here so it is not only sensitive but very very personal and a lot of people will never read a chart for somebody else but they would like to know how to do this for themselves they'd like to be able to 
at least look into their own chart and see how these pieces of the puzzle fit together. So thank you for this. Great information. And if you would like to talk to Robert, maybe you are planning a family and you'd like for it to be a conscious family. He could help point you in some great directions on that. His contact info is in the show notes if you just go there and all the other things that we have going on in the podcast as well. like to mention our Discord channel again. We keep mentioning this because that's where the conversation continues. And the easiest link is either the one that's in the show notes or you can catch it off of the funastrology.com website at the top. It's up there as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock.